We are on Ksubis Yud Ches Amir Aleph, 18a1 in the Art Scroll Gemara. Uh, the Gemara is continuing in its discussion of Rabbi Yeshua. Essentially, uh, we had our Mishnah, the very first Mishnah of this parak of this chapter. Rabbi Yeshua said that he agrees that in a case where there's a Peshasar, in a case where a person says that um, the field that I'm on belonged to your father, I bought it from your father, so then we believe him because the whole, we didn't know otherwise until he spoke. We did not know that it belonged to the father. And so therefore when we believe him, we believe him on the entire statement. And the Gemara was trying to figure out what, what, why is Rabbi Yeshua giving a case of uh, a father? Why doesn't he just say that I bought it from you directly? And so the Gemara said, no, we need it for a case where uh, he's been living on the land for three years. In general, living on the land for three years is sufficient evidence. You don't even need to, a Pesha Asar, you don't even need to, uh, e- even if we were to know that it belonged to the father originally, a person who lives on the land for three years, it's his. But we need it in this case, the Pesha Asar, because it's a case where he only lived on the land for two years uh, in the presence of the father, and then the father passed away, and then it was for one year with the son, so then maybe living on the land for three years is not, we know it's not sufficient. It's not sufficient proof. The Gemara now, till the next Mishnah, will essentially be discussing two different scenarios. That why don't we say that the Mishnah is talking about the following scenarios? We could say forget about the scenario about living on the land for three years, two years uh, in front of the father, one year in front of the son. I can give you another case or another two cases. Essentially, that's what that's what our Gemara will be discussing. Two other cases. So case number one, Vilisni. Maybe our mission should have taught the following idea. Why can't the Mishnah, why is our Mishnah a case where he says that I bought a field from your father? Your father owned it and I bought it from him. Let us have the following case where a person says, I borrowed money from you and I paid you back. Instead of it being about a case where I bought something from, I bought a field from your father, let it just be a case where he says, I borrowed money from you and I paid you back and that he's believed to, to say this because of the Pesha Asr. Again, the whole point of the mission is that I would not have been believed in such a scenario. <coughs> Excuse me. But because of the Pesha Asr, therefore you are believed. I'm the whole reason why you never mentioned anything about the fact that I owe you money. I'm the one that's telling you that I borrowed money from you and I'm paying you back. I paid you back already. Uh, but otherwise we wouldn't believe you. So the Gemara says, wait a minute, that's not so simple. Because it's not so simple, because Rabbi Yeshua continues on with the end of the Mishnah. The end of the Mishnah says that, but if there are witnesses who say that there was a loan, let's say if that would be the case, the Mishnah says if there are witnesses, so then he's not believed. Well, that is actually not so simple. Uh, we have a dispute. This is a dispute found in many places about when a person borrows money with um, witnesses, does a person have to pay back in front of witnesses or not? According to one opinion, if you if I borrow money in front of witnesses, I have to pay back in front of witnesses. It's sort of implied that once we're taking the step to lend out in front of witnesses, that you then have to pay back in front of witnesses. It's the assumption. However, others are of the opinion and the way we follow, in fact, is that just because you borrow money in front of witnesses does not mean you have to pay back in front of witnesses. And therefore, even if there are witnesses who say that there was a loan, 
So then I should still be believed. I should say, no, I paid you back already. And I don't have to pay back in front of witnesses. You have to trust me, I paid you back already. And so forget about the Pesha Asar. Nothing to do with the Pesha Asar. Nothing to do with the fact that I was the one who initiated this whole discussion to begin with. No, even if witnesses initiated this discussion. The point is that I should still be believed because I don't have to pay back in front of witnesses. I paid back already, even though there are no witnesses. That is suggestion number one. Uh, why the mission should give a different case and teach us something new. It's not about the fact that I bought a field. It's about the fact that I borrowed money. Kamara says that can't, there's no, you can't, uh, that can't be the Mishnah because that you're believed even without the Pesha Asar, even without you being the one who initiates it, you're still believed because you don't have to pay back a loan in front of witnesses. Suggestion number two, and this suggestion number two will lead to a, a bigger discussion. Um, but essentially, the Gemara says, we'll first read the, uh, the suggestion, the listening. Uh, maybe we should say the case as follows. Rabbi Yeshua agrees to the following Pesha Asar, to the following situation where I initiated this whole discussion and I am explaining what exactly happened where someone says that um, I borrowed money from your father, I borrowed money from your father, but I paid back half of it, that he should be believed. The fact that I pay back half, you should be believed. Now, what is this talking about? What exactly is going on here? So a little bit of background. There are three cases in the Torah where the Torah says that a person, when they make the following claim, they have to take an oath. They're required to take an oath. Uh, to uh, In general, they don't have to take an oath, certainly not on a biblical level. There are many oaths on a rabbinic level. However, on a biblical level, there are only three situations where a person has to take, make, take an oath in court to say that they do not owe any money. Uh, those three cases are as follows. Uh, case number one is when there's one witness who says that you owe money. In general, you need two witnesses. So two witnesses obligate you to pay. One witness does not obligate you to pay. However, he does obligate you to take a shavua, to take an oath that you do not owe any money. Case number two is if a person is watching, if they were hired or assigned to watch or they're borrowing, whatever the case is, that you have somebody else's items in your possession uh, and something happens to it, again, depending on, on the agreement, whether it's uh, borrowing or you're watching, watching for pay, watching for free, different scenarios. So that has different levels of requirement of, of guarding and making sure it uh, stays intact. But either way, if it gets whatever happens to it happens, a person has to take an oath to say that that's exactly what happened, that uh, they didn't take it for themselves uh, or they didn't break it, whatever it is, they have to take an oath with regards to that. That's case number two, where we find in the Torah that there is an oath. And case number three is as follows. It's basically a case where us, a person admits to uh, a portion of how much they owe. If a person owes 100 and they admit to 50, they say, $50 I paid you back, $50 I did not yet pay you. Uh, so then they have to take an oath. And the reason for this oath is because it's a shvuah, which is found in the Torah, but it's because it looks suspicious. It looks it looks a little strange. Maybe they're only admitting to part of it because um, they have to feel like they're obligated to admit to part of it, but they're not admitting to the rest because they want to uh, they want to save save uh, save paying all of it. Um, and so, therefore, because they're admitting to only part of it, they have to take a shvuah. They have to take an oath on the rest. So the Gemara here is suggesting. Why don't we say that that's the case in the Mishnah? In general, if 
person A approaches person B and says, you owe me $100, and person B responds, I, oh, I paid you back 50 I only owe you 50 That's when he has to take an oath. That's when he has to take a shvua. Uh, but in the case of the Mishnah, let us say that the case of the Mishnah is a case. Why didn't Rabbi Shua say that the case is where a person says, I used to owe you 100 I'm the one who's initiating this whole thing. You should know I paid you back 50 already. I only owe you 50 more. So maybe in that case, because of the Pesha Asar, he should be believed to not have to take any oath whatsoever. Maybe that is the whole point. Uh, maybe that could have been the case of the Mishnah to teach us that you do not take an oath. So the Gemara answers around 18A2 in the Arsul Gemara. The, the Gemara answers as follows. The Gemara says, well, wait a minute. Let's take a step back. The Gemara says as follows. Um, that if that were to be the case, that that is the case of the Mishnah, basically a person says that I borrow that I owed your father, and it's important to keep in mind that it's your father, I owed your father money, and I paid back half, that because I'm the one who's initiating this whole conversation to begin with, maybe I should be exempt from an oath. The problem is, is that who is this going like? The Gemara says, Aliba Daman, who is this going like? We have a separate dispute. So it's important to keep this in mind. We have a separate dispute between the majority, the Rabbanon, and Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov. What happens in the case where a person says that they owe a portion of it, where they are modeb b'mixas. They say, I paid back a portion and I still owe a portion, not only with it, when it's with regards to you, but when it's with regards to your father. When it's, when it's with regards to your father. When I say that, I owe your father money and I paid you back uh, half. That the Rabbanon, the majority say, that you are totally exempt. Totally exempt. Even if, forget about Peshazar, even if the, child, the son approaches you first, you are totally exempt. We'll explain why in a minute. But you're totally exempt. According to Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov, he says that you're obligated to take an oath even if you initiate. Even if you initiate. It can't be the Mishnah. It can't be the Mishnah because even if you initiate, he says that you're still required to take an oath. Okay, before we even see the rest of the Gemara, but let's just read that line. We didn't read that. It says, who's it going like if it's according to the Rabbanon? If it's according to the Rabbanon, they say... That in a case where, uh, where you say that um, that I owe your father, uh, that I borrowed a hundred, I paid back fifty, and now I owe another fifty, so then he is totally exempt, totally exempt. And according to Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov, he says that in such a case where even if we initiate, you're still required to take an oath. So you can't say the Mishnah talking about a case of a pesha asar where you initiate, you're totally exempt because he's of the opinion that you have to take an oath. So our Mishnah is not going like anybody. Our Mishnah wouldn't be going like anybody, and we want our Mishnah to fit like either the Rabbanan or like Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov. You, we wanted to suggest that in specifically in this situation where you're initiating, that's when you're exempt from taking an oath, but it's not true. According to Chachamim, um, you're, you're exempt anyways from taking an oath, even if you didn't initiate. And according to Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov, you still have to take an oath, even in this case. In this case, you would still have to take an oath. Let's just see these two opinions in the Brisa. The Tanya, because it was taught in the Brisa, Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov, Omer Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov says, Pa'amim sha'adam nishba al-tainas atzma. There are times when a person swears based on their own claim, even if they make their own claim, even if it's purely based on them. Ketzad manalabi chabiyadiv achativ pras hareza nishba. Vizel shenishba al-tainas atzma v'chomrum eno elek meishev aveda v'pater. Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov says that when I, even in a case where I initiate, and I say that there's a hundred dollars that belonged to your father, I paid back half, I still have to take an oath, even though it's completely based on me. 
Because even though it's based on my own resp- my own claim, I still have to take an oath. We'll see why in a minute. The Chachamim, the rabbis say that no, um, that in any one of these cases, whether it's I initiate or whether it's somebody else who uh, approaches me, um, and I say with regards to your father that only I, that I uh, that I paid back half, then I do not have to take an oath, even if it's not a pesha asar. So the Gemara can't be going like the Mishnah. If we were to make that suggestion, the Mishnah can't be going like anybody. And that's really the end of the story. That's really the end of the story. That the Mishnah can't be, the reason why the Mishnah didn't suggest this is because it can't be going like anybody. We wanted to suggest in the Mishnah that in general you'd be obligated to take an oath. Uh, but because you initiated, you don't have to. But it's not true. According to the Chachamim, um, even if you don't initiate, you're exempt when it has to do with the father. And according to Rebbe Lazar ben Yaakov, uh, according to Rebbe Lazar ben Yaakov, even if you do initiate, you still have to take an oath. So the Mishnah wouldn't be able to be going like anybody. And that's really the end of the discussion. But the Gemara tries to understand this b'risa that we just quoted Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov. Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov, Leslie Meshav Aveda Pater. What's this idea of Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov? Where is he coming from? What's the logic behind what he's saying? If I initiate, I say, I owe your father $100. And you should know, I paid back, uh, I paid back 50 I initiate everything. I still have to take an oath, but I initiated this whole conversation. Where does he get this from? That Why isn't this like equivalent to Meshav Aveda? Uh, basically, the language that's used here is that why isn't this equivalent to the fact that if I lost an object, it's basically, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm giving you $50 and you're not even asking for it. It's like a lost object that I'm returning to you. I should take an oath for that, that I already paid you back 50 Why should I have to take an oath for that? I'm returning a lost object to you. So the Gemara answers, no, the case here is Amarav, and the, the Gemara is going to suggest an answer and then immediately reject it, but Betono Katan. We're not dealing with a case here where uh, he's initiating everything. We're dealing with a case here where there's a minor, a minor who is making a claim against him. So it's the son who is a minor. So he calls it as if it's his own claim. But there really is somebody who's starting this conversation. The minor, who is the son of the father, is saying, you should know, you owe my father money. You owe my father 100. And so he responds back and says, I paid back 50. I only owe 50. So in that case, he would have to take an oath. But Gora says, no, that, that, that can't be the case. Moving on to 1883 in the article, The Gemara says, wait a minute. First of all, we never take oaths based on a minor. A minor who makes a certain claim does not require an oath. Okay, that's number one. So the Gemara says, fine. What do we, we didn't mean a minor. My katan my katan katan who? We didn't, the Gemara says, oh, no, 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 we didn't mean really a minor. We meant an adult, somebody who's above the age of 13. But it's a son, a son vis-a-vis the business dealings of his father. It's like a minor. It's like a child who doesn't know. So we can't take him as seriously. The Gemara says, what do you mean? We're talking about an adult here. An adult, yeah, it's true. We're talking about his father's business dealings. But he hachi, tainis atzmo, tainis here. You still, there's an adult here who's making a certain claim that you owe my father you owe my father, now you owe me $100. And he responds back by saying, I paid back 50, I owe 50. And Rebbe Lazar ben Yaakov says he has to take an oath, even though he initiated everything. You're telling me that that's called initiating everything? How could you say that? The person who is making the claim is a, is, is a full-grown adult. So the response is not initiated by himself. Maybe if he was a minor, but he's not a minor. The one who's making the claim is not a minor. He's an adult. It's like, why is it no? The Gemara says, no, we're talking about a case where other people make a claim, and then he admits. The Gemara says, every case is like that. Every time I, t- <laughs> every single case where I say you owe me 100, and you say I pay back 50, so that's where I'm 
making a claim and you're responding back with an admission that you still owe 50. So in the end of the day, we basically go back to square one. Go back to square one. We have this opinion of Rablazer ben Yaakov. Rablazer ben Yaakov says uh, that even if you initiate and you yourself say that I owed your father a hundred, I, I borrowed from a hundred, I paid back fifty, now I only owe fifty, I still have to take a shvu, I still have to take an oath. Why is that? Even in a case where I initiate, even in a case where I initiate, uh, so so what exactly what exactly is going on? Why would I have still have to take an oath? So in order to answer that question, the Gemara asks a very important question. Now how the following question is read is different based on the different commentators. We're just going to focus on one way of explaining the following Gemara. Again, we're trying to understand the position of Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov who says, even in the case where I initiate everything, we had our Mishnah which said that I initiated and I say that the field was your father's but I bought it from him, uh, then you're believed. Pesha Asar, the, the mouth that made it forbidden to him who said that it was your father's field, he's also the mouth we trust him for everything. He's also the man that we believe to say that he bought it from him. It was all coming from him. He initiated. But there's one case where even if you initiate, it still doesn't work. And that's the case of Rebbe Lazar ben Yaakov. Rebbe Lazar ben Yaakov says that if I initiate inside and say, I, I borrowed $100 from your father. I paid back 50 and I now still owe 50. You still have to take an oath. And generally have to take an oath uh, when there are witnesses that said that you owed uh, the father 100 And even if it's based on your own admission, you still have to take an oath. Why? Why do you have to still take an oath? Um, so this gets to the root. It gets to the root of why it is, not why it is, but uh, the idea behind Moda B'Mixos. Moda B'Mixos is that when you admit to half, you have to pay, you have to take an oath on the other half. That you say that I owe you 50, the other 50 I already paid you, you have to take an oath that you already paid the other 50. So the reason behind it is that it looks strange, that it looks suspicious. That's the reason, let's say, let's say that that's the reason behind it. That's one approach. There are other approaches, uh, that, that are given as to the reason behind it. The Gemara now wants to know, and we're explaining this according to Tosos. The Gemara wants to know, well, why don't I have the following migu? Migu is that I could have made a better claim. Believe me now, because I could have made a better claim. What's the better claim that I could have made? I could have said nothing. I could have said nothing. The fact that I'm telling you that I still owe you 50, you should believe me. Why don't I have a migu? So Rabbah says, as follows, Why is it that a person, when they say 50, they admit that they owe 50 and that they pay back already 50 in general? In a regular case, why is it? Why don't we say that there's a migu? He could have said zero. Why couldn't he say zero? So the Gemara answers, this is how Tosa understands this, moving on to 1884. A person is not brazen enough to, to deny his obligation to his creditor. A person lent you money, and this is how Tosas understands this, a person did a favor to you. They lent you money when you needed money. For you to then have essentially the chutzpah, the chutzpah, the brazen, to deny the entire claim and say, I owe you nothing, a person wouldn't do that. A poor person... If they, if they're claiming that they owe you 50, they would never lie and say, the thing is, believe me then when I say 50, because I could have lied and said zero. No, you could not have lied. You wouldn't have the chutzpah to say zero. You wouldn't have the chutzpah to say zero. So we don't know that you're telling us the truth about the 50. You would never claim zero. A person would never do that. And so that's why there's no migu. There is no migu 
to say, believe me now when I say 50 because I could have said I owed you nothing that I paid you all back. No, he could not have done that. You kidding me? He just did a favor for you? You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't dare to do that. And so therefore, that's why there's no migu. But the Gemara continues on Yilchasam Abayi's 18b1, right before the Mishnah. Ubekula bai de lo delay. Really, he should have admitted that he oh, that that he paid back that 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 sorry that uh, he owes everything. Basically, he should have admitted to everything, but he said 50-50. Why do we make him take an oath? Because we are concerned, again, on a Torah level. We are concerned that maybe he's only saying this so that he has more time to pay back all 100. He has $50 now to pay back. He said, I already paid you back 50. Why? So that in the future, he'll pay back all 100. And the reason... The commentators point out the reason why they use this language is because we know that he's going to take an oath. Why is an oath any better if he's really lying and just wants to get out of the 50? He'll lie about the oath also. The point is he's not really lying. He's not lying. He wants to pay back everything. We're concerned that maybe he wants to pay back everything. Just the 50 that he's going to, he's going to pay back 50 now. 50 he'll pay back in a few months from now. He just doesn't have the money right now. Uh, so we say take an oath because if it's an oath, we know you're not going to lie about the oath. Because you don't, you don't really plan, intend on lying to begin with. So we're concerned, again, we're concerned for that situation. So we make you take an oath. But the, we only make you take an oath if there's no migu, right? We cannot have a migu. We cannot have, well, I could have made a claim of zero. No. In such a scenario, uh, if you could have made a claim of zero, we would have believed you without an oath because, listen, I could have said zero. Now that the fact that I say 050, believe me for that. So the Gemara says as, as follows. Rabbi bin Yaakov Savar, lo velo the Gemara says that this whole idea of the fact that it wouldn't claim zero might only apply, might, might only apply to the person himself who you borrowed from. But if we're dealing with our scenario, which was the suggested scenario, where I borrowed, I say that I borrowed from your father and I paid back half, I owe you 50 and I paid back 50, so now this is the father. So according to the majority, according to the Rabbanon, they say that you don't have to take an oath. Why don't you have to take an oath in this case? Because I have a migu. The whole reason why you don't have a migu in a regular case where I say I owe 50 is because who would have the chutzpah to say zero? But if it's talking about the son, the son never lent me money. I'll have the chutzpah to say zero. Why not? I'll have chutzpah to say zero. The fact that I didn't say zero, the rabbi said, were you believed to say that you owe 50? Um, that, that, that you paid back 50, you owe 50, you don't have to take an oath. However, and the whole reason why we're mentioning this is because of Rebbe Lazar ben Yaakov. According to Rebbe Lazar ben Yaakov, you still have to take an oath even if you're the one who initiated this because you're talking to somebody. You're talking to uh, to the child uh, and you're talking back to the child and you say that I pay back 15 to owe 50 while well, you have to take an oath. Oh, according to Rebbe Lazar ben Yaakov, should I have a migu? Should I have a migu to say that I could have said zero? I could have said zero. The answer is no. You would not have said zero. You don't have said zero, even with regards to the child, because you wouldn't have the chutzpah to say zero. It's not true. You would not have said zero. You would not have had the chutzpah to say zero, and so therefore there's no migu, and therefore you still have to take an oath, again, according to Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov. According to Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov, you would still have to take, uh, take the oath, because you would not deny a claim in its entirety. You wouldn't do that. That is the position of Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov. Okay. This concludes the Gemara. This is up to a new Mishnah. But again, the point of today was they suggested two scenarios 
Our Mishnah could have been two other scenarios of a Pesha Asar. One is where I borrowed money and I say I paid back. That we say no. You don't even need the Pesha Asar in that case because you're believed to pay back. You don't need witnesses to pay back. The other case was a case of Moda Mixas where you say that you borrowed from your father, uh, but I paid back half. In that case also, um, we said that it couldn't be the Mishnah because it couldn't fit like anybody. It couldn't fit like Rabbi Zabin Yaakov who says you still have to take an oath. It couldn't fit like the rabbis, the Rabban, who say that um, even without you initiating, you would not have to take an oath if it's dealing with the son. Uh, so the Gemara answers that. And we'll begin with a new topic in the new Mishnah in the next recording. But this really shows you how Ksubis moves from one topic to the next topic, totally uh, unrelated topics, important topics, uh, very interesting topics. But uh, the, this tractate of Ksubis really uh, discusses many, many, many different issues that's found in Halacha.